Hey everybody! You are listening to the Creative BioLabs podcast, the show that introduces the basics about stem cells and their broad applications. Please contact us if you have any questions or suggestions. And don't forget to subscribe to follow the latest updates. Welcome, dear listeners. Today, we're joined by our favorite guest, Dr. Benjamin Smith, the renowned scientific journal editor. Let's extend a warm welcome to Dr. Smith. Would you please greet our audience, Dr. Smith? It's a pleasure to be here with you again, dear listeners. Thank you for having me, Connie. Thank you once more for joining us. In our previous episode, we delved into the early morphogenesis of the urogenital system, courtesy of Dr. Smith's expert insights. We learned about the location of kidney development in the embryo, a process that unfolds over a relatively extended period and involves a sequential anterior-to-posterior transition. Now that we've gained a comprehensive understanding of early kidney development, let's explore the crucial genes that govern this intricate process. Could you provide a brief introduction, Dr. Smith? Certainly. Genetic studies in mice have significantly advanced our knowledge of the regulatory mechanisms controlling renal development. Numerous genes influence kidney growth and patterning, but several genes are of particular significance concerning potential renal stem cells. These genes play vital roles in the formation of nephrid duct epithelia, as well as in the proliferation and differentiation of metanephrid mesenchyme. Thank you for the insight. Which stage of kidney development do these genes primarily regulate? When considering stem cells and potential therapeutic applications, our primary focus should be on the adult or metanephrid kidney. However, common early events governing the specification of renal cell lineages occur in the pronephric and mesonephric regions. Many genes are expressed in these regions, and they play crucial roles in early metanephrid development. Moreover, in more amenable organisms, pronephric development is less transient and holds functional significance. I understand. What are the earliest expressed genes associated with kidney development? The formation of the nephrid duct marks the earliest morphological evidence of renal development, but the expression of intermediate mesodermal-specific markers precedes nephrid duct formation temporally. These markers are indicative of intermediate mesoderm along a significant portion of the anterior-posterior body axis. Two transcription factors from the Pax family, Pax2 and Pax8, are among the earliest markers specific to intermediate mesoderm. They appear to have overlapping functions in nephrid duct formation and extension. Another homeobox gene, LIM1, is also expressed in intermediate mesoderm, but initially appears in the lateral plate mesoderm and then becomes more restricted. I've heard of these three genes. If I recall correctly, they are associated with regionalization along the intermediate mesoderm through genetic studies. Is that correct? Absolutely correct. For instance, mice with a Pax2 mutation initiate nephrid duct formation and extension but fail to develop mesonephric tubules and metanephros. In Pax2 Pax8 double mutants, nephrid duct formation is entirely absent and LIM1 gene expression is not observed. LIM1 known mutants also lack the nephrid duct, and their ability to differentiate into intermediate mesoderm specific derivatives is reduced. 
In limb 1 mutants, cells are unable to differentiate into urogenital epithelia due to diminished PAX2 expression. It's worth noting that limb 1 expression precedes PAX2 and PAX8 and is PAX independent. Furthermore, limb 1 expression is distributed over a broader area in pre- and post-gastrulation embryos. Therefore, maintaining and restricting limb 1 expression within the intermediate mesoderm likely requires the activation of PAX2 and PAX8 genes around the 5 to 8 somite stage. So, are PAX2 and PAX8 genes sufficient to specify renal progenitors? To address this question, researchers conducted experiments with chicken embryos using replication-competent retroviruses. They found that driving PAX2 expression using retroviruses resulted in the generation of ectopic nephrid ducts within the general intermediate mesoderm region. This phenomenon was not observed with LIM1 or PAX8 alone. Notably, these ectopic nephrid ducts closely mirrored endogenous ducts and were not found in more paraxial or lateral plate mesoderm regions. This suggests that PAX2's ability to induce duct formation requires a certain regional competence, likely within the LIM1 expressing domain. So, the restricted expression of PAX2, PAX8, and LIM1 in the intermediate mesoderm appears to distinguish the nephrogenic zone from the adjacent paraxial and lateral plate mesoderm. If that's the case, could you explain how these genes are activated? Certainly. In the axial mesoderm, signals originating from the ventral notochord play a role in patterning somites along the dorsal-ventral axis. While similar notochord-derived signals may also influence mesoderm patterning along the mediolateral axis, evidence suggests otherwise. In chick embryos, the activation of the PAX2 gene in the intermediate mesoderm is not dependent on the notochord. Instead, PAX2 activation requires signals from somites or the paraxial mesoderm. Furthermore, in amphibian embryos, a combination of retinoic acid and activin A activates early markers in the pronephric region, including LIM1. Besides signals from somites, are there any other signals necessary for this process? Yes, additional signals may be required for the epithelial formation within the predisposed intermediate mesoderm. PAX genes are activated before the initiation of nephrid duct formation, indicating that not all PAX2 expressing cells will contribute to the primary nephrid duct. In chick embryos, the overlying ectoderm plays a critical role in nephrid duct formation. It initiates adjacent to somites 10 to 12, which is significantly posterior to the initial PAX2 positive domain. Removal of the overlying ectodermal tissues leads to the blockage of nephrid duct formation and extension. These ectodermal tissues express bone morphogenetic protein 4, BMP4, a secreted signaling molecule. Recombinant BMP4 proteins can overcome this block, emphasizing the crucial role of BMP4 derived from the ectoderm. With PAX genes marking the entire nephric region, is there a factor that specifies the position of elements along the anterior-posterior axis in the intermediate mesoderm? Certainly, other factors are involved. Patterning genes must exist that determine the region of mesonephric or metanephric kidney formation within the PAX2-positive domain. For instance, the HOX gene family includes genes that play roles in anterior-posterior patterning. 
Studies have shown that mice lacking all genes of the Hox11 paralogs group fail to develop metanefer kidneys. However, it remains unclear whether this is due to a shift in anterior-posterior patterning or a lack of induction. I see. I've also read about the Foxy family of transcription factors potentially playing a role in the anterior-posterior patterning of intermediate mesoderm. Could you provide more information on this? Certainly. FOXC1 and FOXC2, members of the FOXC family of transcription factors, exhibit similar expression domains within the presomitic and intermediate mesoderm as early as embryonic day 8.5. FOX1 expression forms a dorsoventral gradient that progresses with nephric duct extension. Expression levels are lowest in the ventrolateral region, positive for bone morphogenetic protein 4, BMP4, and highest near the neural tube. In FOX1 homozygous null mutants, the anterior boundary of the metanephric mesenchyme extends rostrally, leading to broader ureteric bud outgrowth along the anterior-posterior axis and eventually resulting in ureter duplication. Similar defects are observed in compound heterozygotes of FOX1 and FOX2, indicating redundancy in gene dosage effects. Therefore, FOX1 and FOX2 likely established the anterior boundary of the metanephric mesenchyme during ureteric bud outgrowth by repressing genes at the transcriptional level. Fascinating. What can you tell us about the critical genes involved in metanephros induction? In the nephric duct, both PAX2 and PAX8 are expressed. However, the PAX2 expression domain is broader and includes the mesonephric tubules and metanephric mesenchyme. Consequently, PAX2 mutants possess a nephric duct but lack mesonephric tubules and a metanephros. In contrast, PAX8 mutants do not display an obvious renal phenotype. Therefore, either PAX2 or PAX8 alone is sufficient for duct formation. However, PAX2 is indispensable for converting the metanephric mesenchyme into epithelia. What can we discern from the PAX2 phenotype? The PAX2 phenotype is intricate. Despite the presence of a nephric duct, ureteric bud outgrowth does not occur. Ureteric bud outgrowth is primarily governed by RET, GDNF, glial cell-derived neurotrophic factor, and GFR-alpha-1, RET, a receptor-type tyrosine kinase, is expressed in nephric duct epithelia, while GDNF is secreted by the metanephric mesenchyme. GFR-alpha-1, a GPI-linked protein, is expressed in both tissues. PAX2 mutants do not form ureteric buds because they fail to express GDNF in the mesenchyme and cannot sustain high levels of RET expression in the nephric duct. However, it's important to note that the metanephric mesenchyme in PAX2 mutants is morphologically distinguishable and continues to express other mesenchymal markers even in the absence of GDNF. Furthermore, PAX2 mutants are unresponsive to inductive signals, underscoring the necessity of PAX2 function in specifying the intermediate mesoderm region destined for mesenchyme to epithelium conversion. This requirement for PAX2 function is further highlighted in humans, where the deletion of a single PAX2 allele is associated with renal coloboma syndrome, characterized by hypoplastic kidneys and vesicoureteral reflux. Thank you, you've provided a comprehensive explanation. 
Are there any other genes that play a crucial role in converting the metanephric mesenchyme into epithelia? Yes, another essential gene is IL-1, which is a vertebrate homolog of the Drosophila eyes absent gene. Mutations in the IL-1 gene can lead to bronchioautorenal syndrome in humans, a complex multifaceted phenotype. In mice with homozygous IL-1 mutations, kidney development is arrested. This is because ureteric bud growth is inhibited and the mesenchyme remains uninduced. Interestingly, this doesn't seem to be directly related to PAX2 and WT1 expression. However, the absence of IL-1 results in the non-expression of the other two markers of metanephric mesenchyme, 62 and GDNF. The failure of ureteric bud growth is likely due to the loss of GDNF expression. Nevertheless, it's unclear whether the mesenchyme and IL-1 mutants can respond to inducible signals in vitro. I understand. Could you tell us more about the characteristics of the protein encoded by the IA gene? Certainly. The IA gene family is part of a conserved network that underlies cell specificity in several developing tissues. IA proteins share a conserved domain but lack DNA binding activity themselves. They are capable of directly interacting with the six family of DNA binding proteins. Mammalian 6 genes are homologs of the Drosophila sina oculis homeobox gene. This cooperative interaction between 6 and IA proteins is crucial for nuclear translocation and transcriptional activation of 6 target genes. That's a clear explanation. Earlier, you mentioned the WT1 gene. From what I know, it's another early marker of the metanephric mesenchyme. Is that correct? Yes. That's correct. WT1, also known as the Wilms tumor suppressor gene, is essential for the survival of the metanephric mesenchyme. Wilms tumor is a type of embryonic kidney tumor characterized by undifferentiated mesenchymal cells, poorly organized epithelium, and surrounding stromal cells. WT1 expression is regulated spatially and temporally in various tissues, and there are at least four isoforms due to alternative splicing. In the developing kidney, WT1 is expressed in both uninduced metanephric mesenchyme and the induced differentiating epithelium. Additionally, PAX2 may mediate the early expression of WT1. Initially, WT1 is expressed at a low level in the metanephric mesenchyme but is upregulated at the S-shaped body stage in the podocytes, the precursors of the glomerular epithelium. WT1 expression levels remain high in adult podocytes. What kinds of adverse effects do WT1 mutations cause in mammals? In mammals, WT1 known mutant mice exhibit complete renal agenesis because the metanephric mesenchyme undergoes apoptosis and the ureteric buds are unable to grow out of the renal duct. The absence of signaling in WT1 mutant mesenchyme likely contributes to the arrested growth of ureteric buds. Similar to PAX2 mutants, mesenchyme in WT1 mutants fails to respond to inductive signals in vitro. Thus, WT1 appears to be crucial for promoting cell survival in early mesenchyme, enabling them to respond to inductive signals and express growth-promoting factors for the ureteral bud. That concludes our discussion on genes that regulate early kidney development for today. In our next episode, 
we'll delve into the establishment of additional cell lineages in the embryonic kidney. Thank you for your patience and for sharing this valuable information. With that, we'll bring this episode to a close and wish you a wonderful day. Thank you very much. The same goes for you.